the failure to act with sufficient ambition to avert the climate catastrophe will be the greatest moral failure of our time. Making changes takes courage, and if we don't change things, we won't have a future. We need a president who respects science, who understands that the damage from climate change is already here. You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. Change is coming, whether you like it or not. Zero Carbon Easter. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbon Easter Series 2, The Manifesto. I'm Ian Collins. And of course, we continue with our aim to leave no stone unturned on the environmental agenda. If it's green, it's on. And we often make that point that politicians should be made to sit down and listen to this on a weekly basis. These are the very issues that are most important on the planet right now. Climate change, our Westminster masters often appear to miss this point. The person, of course, at the centre of this entire series is Dale Vince, the entrepreneur and environmentalist. This is a man who doesn't do things by halves, built his first windmill in the 90s, and is the owner of Ecotricity, the world's first green energy company, also the chairman of Forest Green Rovers. Morning, Dale. Yeah, morning, Ian. It's a big week, isn't it, in the world? It is a big week in the world. If you give a climate arsonist four more years in the White House, why would anyone be surprised if we have more America blaze? If you give a climate denier four more years in the White House, why would anyone be surprised when more of America is underwater? Credible mood music and intent on day one from President Biden. Yeah, absolutely amazing. I think he's lived up to everybody's expectations. Uh, you know, I mean, the U.S. have already declared to rejoin Paris. He's he's introduced a, a sweeping range of EPA changes and uh, he's banned the uh, pipeline from Canada to the Gulf of Mexico, you know, to ship that high carbon tar sands from Canada. You know, it's a great start. It is a great start. Not without its criticism, though. I noticed that this was fabulous. Ted Cruz uh, of course, a man who is, uh, you know, has been, well, he's kind of different between being a Trump supporter and not a Trump supporter, but he put out a tweet yesterday after uh, Biden rejoined Paris, the the, the Paris uh, Climate Agreement. Uh, and he said, Ted Cruz said, this shows that Biden cares more about the people of Paris than he does Americans. Spectacularly missing the point that the Paris Agreement, of course, isn't an agreement for the people of Paris. I think it's brilliant. He probably doesn't even know where Paris is. <laughs> I think so. That's brilliant. That's classic, days. I saw Trump leave the White House, actually, and I, I thought it was a slightly poignant moment. I, you know, he put a brave face on it, but but the, to see him in uh, melanoma walking to chopper number one uh, to, to leave the White House for the last time was just a, a really kind of a slightly bittersweet moment. I felt sad for him, but, uh, but happy for the world. Yeah. I, I mean, I think if you're in his world, this isn't to give him the benefit of the doubt on anything that he might have done that wasn't particularly good, but in his world, that fall from office is probably greater than most other presidents that find themselves out because, you know, the ego was so central to the mechanics of this man uh, that losing a, a gig that big is, is, is probably something he's never going to get over. No, I think that's right. Uh, and that, that, that's what I'm feeling when I, when I watched him in that clip. Uh, I think it's a devastating blow for him. And as you say, he may never get over it. But uh, you know, I also think he's he's heading for jail. I know I've said it before, but I think there's a queue of litigation uh, now uh, he's about to face now that he has no immunity anymore. And uh, so, you know, he'll probably have a long time to sort his head out and, and get over this uh, this loss. And, and actually, 
he's probably his own worst enemy in that case because he despises people he calls losers and i think he's just yeah. become the biggest loser in the world probably or he certainly lost the you know the biggest most powerful job in the world yeah i thought the one of the things of that biden did i mean there's going to be no drilling for oil in alaska we know this and i mean this is this is extraordinary isn't it because apparently i i, I saw something that oil companies were no longer even bidding for it Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good. I mean, the uh, the XL pipeline itself is really important because it seems to have shut down the tar sands industry in Canada. I mean, it, you know, it's really high carbon uh, source of uh, oil and, uh, you know, it should never happen. It's totally inconsistent with fighting the climate crisis. Uh, but, you know, there, there's been a lot of litigation holding that pipeline up. Um, but now Biden has just kind of stomped on it, which I think is really important. I saw the other thing that he's going to do is to actually put a price, a social cost on uh, on a ton of carbon and use that to weigh up every decision that the agencies of the U.S. government make, which I think is a brilliant thing. And and he's obviously declared the intent to lead the world on, on the climate crisis, which I also think is a brilliant thing because the U.S. has so much clout. Yeah. And it's interesting that John Kerry, of course, is the special climate envoy. Uh, for Biden, his European, his EU counterpart as well, they've held their first call uh, under the new administration. And this, of course, is, means that it's not just an American thing. It's a, a transatlantic cooperation that's taking place. Yeah, and I think that's a really powerful partnership because the EU is, you know, a really big uh, progressive player in the world and, you know, kind of leads on environment issues anyway. Uh, but teamed up with the US, I think we're going to see a lot of change. And John Kerry, I mean, what a serious player he is to to have in that role. I think it's fantastic. I, honestly, I'm really excited. Uh, here's a question from Sally on Facebook. Nothing to do with politics. She says, I got my first delivery of FGR burgers from Ocado this week. Uh, when are you launching the Q pie? Uh, I'd love to get my hands on some of those. Uh, so what's going on here? The new burgers, the new pie? What's happening? Yeah, the new burgers hit Ocado uh, Wednesday, I think it was this week, as, as something we've been working on for a few months. And obviously, well, it's not obvious, but so let me say we've been making uh, primary school dinners uh, for the last couple of years and, and moved through secondary uh, education and, and right up to universities and stuff. And then we were doing public venues just before the lockdown about a year ago. Um, which threw a spanner in the works, but we're making burgers and balls that are kind of a spin-off from Forest Green. It's our match day burger. And so many yeah. people have said to us, you know, where can I get them and when can I get them and that kind of stuff. But we finally pulled it off this week. It's in Ocado. And we're super excited. Uh, it's from a company we call The Devil's Kitchen, uh, which is the name of the food outlets at Forest Green. The Q Pie is another match day special. It's going to be a little bit more difficult for us to get that into retail because we make it by hand, um, which makes it you know pretty slow process. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we've, we've no immediate plans to get the Q Pie or, in, in retail, but uh, you know I'm pleased to hear that people want it. It is a very popular thing. Yeah. So if you were to do that on a, an industrial scale, that is clearly a whole different game changing workplace consideration, I guess. Yeah, and it's cooked food as well. And so the rules around that are very different. And also, um, it's got pastry, obviously, because it's a pie. <laughs> um, and, and our current premise makes only frozen food. It's not cooked, so that's different. But also, it's free from the 14 major food allergens, including wheat, nuts, seeds, soya, you know, you name it. It's not in the devil's kitchen range. So it's a super pure factor. I think it's one of only two in the UK that uh, has that complete exclusion of food allergens. Um, and, you know, we couldn't make a pie in there without completely destroying that. Yeah. And you don't want to destroy the quality of your pie. Or the burger. No. <laughs> uh, here's another one. Legal challenge to the UK government's approval of a new gas-fired 
power plant has failed in the Court of Appeal. This is interesting. We touched on this last week. Yeah, I mean, this is about Drax, uh, which was granted permission for an extension a little while ago using the planning regulations that are in place now, which, along with the Good Law Project, we've been challenging for probably the last nine months uh, because they're about 10 years old and they've been superseded by Paris and by our commitment to become zero carbon by 2050. So that was the basis of our legal challenge to the government that the rules needed to be changed. They finally accepted that a couple of weeks ago out of court to avoid um, the judicial review that was coming. But Drax slipped through in the meantime and um, the planning inspectors that looked at it actually turned it down and said it was inconsistent with climate change needs uh, but it was overruled by the government who you know don't worry about stuff like that i guess uh, because you know money and business to them comes first and so they gave it permission so that challenge has failed and you know this is the same government that just approved a coal mine in cumbria again you know uh, flying in the face of climate change commitments and of course the third runway at heathrow as well um you know how does any of that make sense i mean it's extraordinary isn't it i don't know where bearing in mind you know the the, the whole agenda that has now been incredibly accelerated in just 48 hours from from Biden and Europe looking to be on board in the the transatlantic arrangements. Where does this leave the UK? I think it leaves us about four years behind, I would say, uh, because that's about when we'll have our next election. So, you know, the US have flushed Trump out of the system, I would say, and we just need to flush Johnson out of ours at the next election. And then we can get back with the program with Europe, with the US, uh, the rest of the world, fight the climate crisis, build a green economy and, uh, you know, change the world for better. OK. Uh, and also this. Can't knock the mighty Wurzels. Uh, <laughs> uh, this comes from Rod and about 9,600 other farmers, Dale, on Facebook, who said, Dale, keep your nose out of UK farming. Meat is going nowhere. We will allow the accused a response. Yeah, I mean, I think that's funny. In a sense, I agree with the last part that meat is going nowhere. You know, I think it's kind of run out of road and... Um you know, it's in terminal decline, but keep my nose out of UK farming. Well, look, I would if it wasn't having an impact on on me and so many other people. If it was a victimless crime, I would keep my nose out, but it isn't. Uh, Here's a question from Tim who says, like you, Mr. Vince, I'm throwing my money around. I'll give a hundred quid to the first person to cite a single bad aspect of a warmer world as per the IPCC climate predictions and a single place that will spend more than its traffic light budget on sorting it out. I don't even understand the question, though. No, and, and you know, I, I think the guy that, uh, that wrote it doesn't really understand the issues quite honestly, because climate change is here and now. And there was a report out last week that said the cost of climate change to the world in 2020 was $150 billion. Now, that's a hell of a traffic light budget. And, you know, the IPC are predicting far, far worse, millions of people actually becoming uh, climate migrants because the countries they live in become uninhabitable. So I just don't know where this guy's coming from. Well, he says, I've got two exceptions, Venice, but their problems were caused by dredging too deep to allow tourist cruises in. And two, permafrost melting causes foundations to fail, but surely places getting warmer is a good thing. If you can't answer this, there is no climate catastrophe at all. Uh, I think that's just uh, doubling down, you know, I mean, Venice was built, um, you know, in the sea, 
So, you know, it's, it's bound to be affected by rising sea levels because, uh, you know, it's, it's more than just a coastal city. It's, it's already in the sea and it's got nothing to do with dredging for, for cruise ships. Um, but hey, you know, I mean, it's just nonsense to say that a warming world is not dangerous to anybody. Uh, you know, this guy is uh, about as relevant as Donald Trump is now. Yeah, <laughs> which is not very relevant. And I don't um, mean to be rude to him, but but yeah. uh, just to be direct. Uh, I also noticed as well uh, that you made uh, the papers again this week, Dale. I, I'm enjoying this because each week, I mean, if you can't make a bit of mischief and stir things up, there, there really is no point in in campaigning, right? I mean, that's the, the whole nature of campaigning is that you, you kind of meddle with the status quo in order to change something. Yeah, um, for me, for me in the, uh, I, absolutely, absolutely what you're saying, but no point in being alive is what I would say. Yeah, true. The reason I picked this story is because you were speaking out against what you called confusing and misleading meat advertisements, which claim that vitamin B12 is not naturally present in a vegan diet. Yeah, I mean, we saw this uh, advert, I think it was online in the Metro uh, a few days ago. And, it was front page as well. Yeah, front page. And uh, the uh, the headline was B12 or not B12. Uh, and then below that, it basically said, if you choose not to eat animals, you choose not to have B12. So that was the first element of our objection, uh, which we turned into an ASA complaint, you know, because it's, it's nonsense that uh, you choose not to have B12 if you don't eat animal products. And then it doubled down on that and said that B12 is not naturally uh, available to, to vegans or naturally part of a vegan diet, which is, again, nonsense. And I think it's misleading, dangerous nonsense. And it turned out that the advert was from some kind of quango that is an arm of DEFRA. And they've got a one and a half million pound kind of veganuary kickback budget to fight against the the progress and the popularity of veganuary. So this campaign is aimed at that month. And um, we got hold of a, a, a pack that they're sending to all farmers up and down the country, a, a comms pack telling them how to speak, how to behave, what to say, that kind of stuff. And yeah. it's chock full of nutritional nonsense. So we've complained to the ASA. We, uh, we kind of shared it online, shared a template letter and some contact details. And Hundreds of people have written to the ASA. And so, you know, we, we wait wow. to see what happens. But but this isn't politics. This isn't, uh, you know, Nigel Farage or Boris Johnson saying something stupid and untrue. This is an advert. And we have a regulator for that. Good work. Uh, here's one from Colin on Facebook. We need people like you, Dale, challenging crazy stuff in the world. We also listen to this podcast every Sunday morning and have started to listen to Ian on the radio, too. Thank you both. That's very nice. Yeah, very it's kind nice. Of like the fact that although this podcast comes out every Every Friday, uh, people pick their own time to to listen, and on a Sunday morning, that's a good thing because the only thing that's really on the radio is uh, Steve Wright's Sunday love songs, which is the greatest crock of radio shite you ever did hear. So uh, the fact, and that's nothing to do with Steve Wright, who's an exceptional talent. It's just the format of you know, depressing <laughs> songs about heartbreak on a Sunday morning. Yeah, uh, I, I think we have a far more uh, intriguing offering for a Sunday. The Church of Zero Carbonista. It is exactly that. Uh, now, here's another story. Fans may not be able to watch football at Forest Green Rovers, but they are able to tuck into match day food after the world's first vegan club joined forces with Ocado. Now, we mentioned this right at the beginning of this episode. It's worth saying it again and just you know letting people know a little more about what is going on here because this is taken off pretty lively, right? Yeah, Burgers and Balls, uh, out of the Devil's Kitchen, which itself spun out of Forest Green, began uh, with the feeding of school kids. I think last November we 
We produced 200,000 school meals. We're in about 10% of schools growing ever so quickly. We, you know, we did a lot of road testing with kids uh, to get the recipe right. It's completely inclusive from a caterer's point of view because it uh, doesn't have any food allergens in it at all. And obviously it's how, how and kosher because it's got animals in. So it's super inclusive, super tasty, nutritional food. Uh, made at the price of the meat alternative so there's no price argument either not to have it and it's, it's you know it's runaway popular a lot of people have asked us when they could get it you know themselves at home and we've we finally pulled it off with our first step in retail not not the last step because not everybody shops at Ocado but we're hoping to get it into a lot of other places later this year you know what we need because uh, whenever we talk about the book the manifesto your book we, we play this that's the book bugle. You now need <laughs> something uh, like a vuvuzela. The vegan vuvu. That's what we need. <laughs> vuvuzela, is it? Is that, the, is that the word you're looking for? Yeah, wasn't it a vuvuzela, wasn't it? Do you remember they first came to prominence in one of the World Cups where suddenly we started realizing that fans were honking out these cacophonous uh, things? Right. I don't even know what they are. What are they? I don't know. I thought it was a vuvuzela, but I guess that's potato, potato type Vuvuzla is probably the correct pronunciation, and maybe I've just, you know, you can take the boy out of Kent, Dale, but you know, the lorries out of Kent, there's a challenge. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's that's not clearing up anytime soon. I love what's happening, actually. If I could just interject with, you know, kind of my my feelings on Brexit, it continues to go pear shaped at a rate of knots. I read uh, yesterday about uh, a lorry full of crisps that waited two days to get into Northern Ireland about uh, European hauliers that are refusing to bring deliveries to Britain because they're having to put up cash bonds for the taxes that may or may not be paid by the recipients. Fishermen, of course, I mean, I mean that's, that's the classic, the kind of human shield of the Brexit campaign, have been tossed aside like some kind of bycatch. It's incredible. I also read as well today that the, uh, the, the bureaucratic cost of all the customs declarations that are required, something like $7.5 billion, it would have cost us that much if we'd have had no deal at all, which which makes you question what kind of deal Johnson really did get. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's a nightmare. But it's it's great that we're living it from my perspective, because for too long it's been um, it's it's been obscured. The facts have been obscured by claims and counterclaims and and that kind of stuff. We're living it now. We can't avoid it. And you know, yeah. business after another is piping up and saying the government have let us down. They've done this. They've done it. These are the real impacts. And you know, this is all coming home to roost. Next two or three years, we'll feel the actual real impact of Brexit. The difference of being inside or outside the single market. It's not about European membership necessarily. Because we could have traded with Europe on very different terms and still not been a part of that organization. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy for that because we're, we're having a reality check now. We're going to live a reality check. I said to a guy this week, he said, how can the EU treat us like this? You know, this is the way the way they are treating us, you know, as this third country, which, of course, we are now. Um, and I said, we wrote the rules to treat a third country like this. And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, up until like half an hour ago, we were a big part of the EU. We we literally wrote the rules that are now kicking us in the balls. So um, the idea that somehow this shady cartel of characters over the channel uh, of, of, of attempting to put something together in order to scupper the UK, you know, we were part of that system to ensure this couldn't happen. And now, of course, we're on the receiving end of our very own 
regulations. Voluntarily, we have to say. And I also noticed that um, this week uh, our government have refused to grant full diplomatic status to um, to EU ambassadors in Britain, which is a, you know an incredibly insulting thing to do, saying the EU is not uh, a country per se. And you know technically they may be right, but. Something like 140 other countries of the world recognize the EU and EU ambassadors and give them full diplomatic status. So, you know, WTF, guys. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Final one from Jenny on Twitter. Uh, I noticed you're posting loads and loads of stuff on Facebook, Dale. I thought Facebook were the Antichrist. What are you doing, man, she says. I mean, that's a fair point. I think they're one of the antichrists. There's a few of them in the world. Um, And, you know, often this question comes up, why do I talk to the sun, for example? Um, You know, and and the fact is, it's about reaching people. It's just about that. And there are lots of people on Facebook. And if I can reach them and communicate with them, that's a great thing. Good work. Uh, That's it, Dale, for this episode. We are back in a week. We'll see you uh, next Friday. Yeah, fabulous. Let's, uh, fingers crossed, I think we're going to have some some more big news from the US in just the next seven days. I think so. I think so. Look forward to it. Dale, thank you. That's it for this week. Don't forget, of course, to subscribe for free from your podcast provider so that you get each new episode automatically. Do leave a review there as well. And if you want to get in touch, you can email your comments and questions, zerocarbonista at ecotricity.co.uk. And do make sure you follow Dale on social media, twitter.com slash dalevince, facebook.com slash dalevince. Zero carbon. East off.